Welcome to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every single episode of the hit 90s TV series, Melrose Place. I'm Jenny Hill. I'm Dan Hill. Let's get started. Season 3, episode 14, Sex, Drugs, and Rockin' the Cradle. Wow, really creative title. (laughs) So creative. Air date, December 12th, 1994. This one one episode ago, it was something about rockin' the cradle. The doctor that rocks the cradle. Too much rockin' cradle. (laughs) Really taking that rockin' the cradle ball and running with it. And I'd like to add there was no sex, no drugs, and no rockin' cradles. We did see one bassinet. Did it rock? <laughs> no. Can you confirm the rockage? <laughs> I did not see any rockage occurring. All right. So we're going with no rocking, no <laughs> drugs, and no sex. Well, we cold open this with Joe at her lawyer's office, and she's admitting, you know, I made a mistake. I realized this, but this is what really happened. I pretended that the baby was dead and delivered at... Uh, at Kimberly's beach house, and now they won't give my baby back. Rocking a red power suit like a goddamn boss. (laughs) Well, her lawyer is not seeing her as a boss. He's pretty upset to hear this, and he's just like, I'm shocked at what you're telling me. And quite frankly, Joe, I have no choice but to pretend that we never had this conversation. There's nothing I can do for you. I was working on an appeal for you, and I really think I could have reunited you with your baby very soon after the Carters got him, which I'm like, was that a game plan that you did not share with her before? Well, I think we've already established that he's not the best lawyer because he didn't cross-examine like anybody (laughs) at court. So maybe this was something he was like keeping under wraps, and then that's kind of why she felt like she had to go to those lengths. To get her baby back? What he's doing is what I like to call shitting the bed. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to argue with that. He he says, and I quote, you messed everything up big time. (laughs) (laughs) If your lawyer says this to you, you probably messed everything up big time. Yeah, it's not good. And then he ends with, you need rest and a good criminal lawyer. Then he's like, Please exit my office and leave this massive building. Yeah. And we get the credits. So next up, we get some really interesting aerial beach shots. It's just so funny. You know, this is what, 25 years ago? Oh, actually, 26 years 26 ago. 26 years ago. Happy birthday, Melrose. Yeah. The, Dan just had pointed out, what was it, yesterday? Um... Yeah, or today. Maybe today. My uh, days are running together. Yeah. So July 8th. 8th. Yeah, the 8th. Uh, Melrose Place debuted 26 years ago. So Melrose Place 
yesterday is old enough to be a cast member <laughs> on Melrose Place. You know, it's just so funny to me because this is only 26 years ago and the advancements that they have in, you know, drones and filming are just so above and beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean, this footage is terrible. Yeah. It's just like shaky and weird and spotty. And um, so we they're establishing that... We're at the beach. We see a bunch of surfers kind of hanging out. And Michael, he gets on the phone and he calls Mancini Designs. And Jane picks up the phone and she is in like an old-fashioned Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. But it said something really weird. It said like number 79. In the top right shoulder, like Laverne and Shirley style. Yeah. Like what the L, how they have yeah. the L and the S. And then it was just like stripes. It looked inside out. This was like bum equipment or like just real, <laughs> real derelict. Like real. <laughs> derelict. Yeah. I'm sure that they were trying to go for like, oh, let's put her in this like fashion forward, like rugged, fucking smock, ugly like shit. I'm sure that was exactly yeah. what they were going for. Jane, in this scene, we're going to go for rugged, ugly, <laughs> smock-looking like shit. <laughs> try this. It'll be perfect. So Michael's calling for the explicit purpose to try to see Jane again. He re- Jones. Yeah, he loved their little romp in Vegas. He wants to see how they can recreate the magic again. He wants some more Jane love. And Jane is like, Michael... That was fun. It was just a thing, though. It was something to do. And Michael's like, but I have feelings for you. I love you. And she's like, well, I don't have feelings for you. And it's never going to happen again. Bye. Later. My, how those tables have turned. And she, like you were saying before we started, she's really like very over her fiance, Chris Marchand. And there seems to be absolutely no fallout from the fact that a half a million dollars is missing. Didn't skip a beat. You know, business as usual. She's no still layoffs. At, at J. Mancini Designs, we don't have any kind of like information from Chris Marchette's company that fronted the money. I'm sure yeah. they're like... Um, excuse me, what happened? And if, like she said in the last episode, that because she granted Chris permission to cash checks and they can't put any criminal charges on Chris, then I'm sure the fact that $500,000 is missing is going to fall on her shoulders. They're coming for that other name on the account. Like, what's up with that? She's just like, oh, half a million? There's Gob's one. Oh, we're fine. There's Gob's one. (laughs) We're good. We're good. So, yeah, she's a player now. She's just like, bye, bitch. Now we go to D&D. Amanda has called Billy in to discuss Allison's, like, rehab. And she's like, ah, well, got these papers in for Allison, whom we fired. And uh, And Billy's like, actually, Amanda, I didn't fire her because I never got around to it. It's like, what do you mean? So now we have to pay for her fucking rehab yeah so apparently part of like the D handbook states that if you have any kind of an addiction or disease or whatever and you go seek treatment they're gonna pay for that yeah that's amazing i would like i don't hear i mean the second you get wind if you think you're getting fired just check in somewhere yeah that's amazing it's like it's like 
in a game of tag, this is home base. And can we talk <laughs> about the fact that Billy's like, well, man, I never got it around to firing her. It's like, okay, if uh, if your boss gave you instructions to do something, yeah. and then as a result of you not doing what they told you to do, you're now stuck with a bill of probably tens of thousands of dollars. They ain't cheap. Depending upon you know how long she stays well, there. Twin Oaks might be cheap. I don't know, man. It's like, how is that? Like, I would be like, well, now you're fired. Like, bye. But she's like, well, then we're not going to pay these bills. We're we're going to fire her now. And Billy's like, well, I'm afraid, Amanda, that Sorry. you can't. Don't think we can. It's part of California law. If someone California law, somebody's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, you gotta keep them. If someone's actively seeking treatment for an addiction because alcoholism is, is a true? disease, is I, that fucking true? I don't think it is. So Amanda, after hearing that Billy has been all like behind her back and shit, she like takes her hand and places it on his chin, like he is a child being scolded, and she was like, "I like your sneakiness." But if you do it again, you're fired. And then immediately, Peter, like, barges in. And, of course, Peter doesn't like to see his woman touching another man in that kind of a way. He's And he's just, like, super nervous that Amanda is running the company that she's been basically running for the entire run of the show. It's very strange. So she sends Billy away and then Peter is just basically like, well, I hear that some of the accounts are pretty shaky right now. Tell me what's going on. And Amanda says that since Bruce's death, there have been some executives at some of their top accounts that they've lost a little bit of their faith in D&D because Bruce was their point person, but she's got it under control. She's working on it. And that seems reasonable. Yeah. You're not going to retain everybody that Bruce was working on or working with, you know? And for Peter, being a doctor who has no, like, knowledge of the ad business, like, what, what does he think Amanda can do, if anything, to rectify this? Immediately. But Amanda is working on it, and she says, let me do my job. You appointed me to this position. Let me do it. Like, it's been just days after Bruce died, and then she does confide in him, and she says that she can't shake the guilt about Bruce and that she feels like she played some sort of a role in his suicide, and Peter basically just kind of, like, sloughs that off. Yeah. There's nothing worse then somebody at your work like hovering over you and being like just micromanaging are you going to do it is this is or is this going to happen are you going to you're going to take care of that hey you better take care of that it's like i got it i got it it just adds a level of stress yeah it's not cool totally and not a good look for peter i thought like i thought peter was so like calm and cool and just like a mastermind it's not like it's, this isn't not him to be all like worried yeah, he the this whole episode we see a different side of Peter. And that kind of brings us to their personal life where he says, "Well, remember that we have that dinner date tonight." And she said, "Oh, well, I think I might be a little bit late. I've got a lot of work I'm doing here." And he just looks at her and he's like, "I really rather that you weren't." 
Yeah, see at eight or whatever, whatever time it is. And he even takes care to mention, you know, be careful of that Billy fellow. It seems like he has his eye on you. Watch out for Billy. Whatever, Peter, you little jealous bitch. So (laughs) now we go to the first time we see Allison at Twin Oaks. The Twin Oaks rehab facility. She's in part of a little bit of group therapy. We have her um, therapist, Marsha, who's leading the group. And um, at this point, Allison is sharing and she's talking about how she was having these nightmares and how that led to these revelations about her father. And she's getting 100% upstaged by a guy sitting to her right with his legs like completely like stretched out. He's like twiddling his thumbs. He's massive. And he's like looking down at the ground in this weird, like maniacal way. Yeah. And the moment. So we, we see this shot. I was like, oh, cool. Serial killer. Yeah, no. And I'm like, oh, that's definitely <laughs> Allison's new love interest. 100%. Like, duh. So we have this shot of Marsha, the group therapist, leading the group. And then Allison's at one side and this dude is at the other side. And he looks, he looks like a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah, everyone in the group, it's like, I feel like they all might have, like, superpowers. (laughs) Like, is this the X-Men, like, meeting for the first time? But she, so she's sharing this story and sort of passing blame on everybody else about why she's there. Right. So she's like, they basically, my boyfriend and my boss and everybody in my life drove me to drink and now I can't stop. Right. And then... This guy, who we find out is named Terry, Terry Parsons, played by David James Elliott, starts maniacally laughing. Just like, (laughs) is this girl a joke? Come on, Marsha. We can't take her seriously. Yeah. And and (laughs) I, I forget what happens, but like they immediately get paired to like work with each other. Right. So he's just like, your story's the same as everybody else's. This is so stupid. So Marsha thinks it's a good idea to pair up Allison and this guy, Terry, because I guess he works in the kitchen and show Allison the ropes and give her a little responsibility around Twin Oaks. And they both huff and puff and they're like, no way. No, I can't work with him. Are you serious? Um, David James Elliott, is known for Trumbo. He was in Trumbo. Oh, rock on. He was in The Untouchables, Jag, and Mad Men. A lot of period pieces. Yeah. Hmm. Not this one, though. Nope. I guess this is a <laughs> 90s period. So next up, we are with Sydney, and she's paying a visit to Jake. She wants to apologize about the situation in Vegas and really try to convey to him that although it looked bad, she really felt that her life was being threatened and that if she didn't comply with Chris's demands, that he would hurt her. She's like, I I really was scared in Vegas, even though I was in the most expensive dress of my life and had like million dollar earrings. And was getting, like, massages every day. And, like, caviar is being fed to me by, like, my little servant people. And, like, fucking Chris every <laughs> hour. Really, so, But I was really 
Really nervous. No, <laughs> Jake is like, look, I believe you. I think that you were scared, but we just handle things differently. Let's just leave it at that. We're done. Let's just walk away from it. But Jake, you're like the only person that I can trust. And honestly, I didn't have sex with Chris at all in Vegas. And then Jake is so keen to this. He just picks up on this. He was like, in Vegas? But you had sex with him another time? What do you mean, in Vegas? <laughs> huh? What What do you mean, in well, Vegas? Yeah, Jake, I mean, I didn't have sex with him at all in Vegas. And he's like, but you did it somewhere else, didn't you? And then she's like, oh, I had to. The guys that were coming to the bar threatening you and hurting you, they said that they'd kill you or hurt you or do something bad to you if I didn't. I did it for you, Jake. I was protecting you. And Jake's like, God... Damn it. All right. I can't deal with this. I have to go work every position at Shooters. Yeah, he's like, I got to go to Shooters to man the bar and clean the drains. Now we're back to Twin Oaks. Allison is in the kitchen with Terry trying to, like, make amends, I guess. Right. So she says, Terry, we got off on the wrong foot. You know... I know a little bit about football, and I really admire you. You're a great athlete. So right there, that kind of tells us that Terry's kind of like maybe like a big NFL star. Yeah. And Terry's very mean. (laughs) So Terry out of nowhere is... Guys, out of nowhere. He's like, get this straight. I don't care what you think, so stop hitting on me. And then she's like, whoa, dude. Like, relax. Like, I'm not hitting on you. I just want to, like, we have to work together. And he's like, yeah, you're a dumb blonde bimbo that you're just kissing my butt. And you're just afraid to admit that you're a drunk. And this and this is all while he's, like, grabbed her arm through the yeah, kitchen. he gets very physical with She's her. She's like, get your hands off me, like, man. This is weird. Like, who the fuck are the you? The second this happened, I would run to Marsha and be like, um, this man like literally assaulted me. Like, this guy, Terry, he has a very long reach. It was through like the kitchen line. <laughs> through like the window of where you wash dishes. And he's scaring me. And, yeah, this is not okay. This is not a good situation for anybody to be in. Yeah, and then Allison is like, go to hell. And then he's like, yes, sweetheart, I've been there. Oh, I've been there. I'm on the way back. (laughs) I want to say that to someone so bad. If someone tells you to go Go to to hell. hell. I'm like, been there. (laughs) And just fucking blank stare at them in the face. (laughs) Been there. You want to go back? (laughs) So, or just or just shit blow it off like hey go to hell been there done that <laughs> okay so next up we're at Jane Mancini designs and there's a delivery and it turns out it's a bouquet of roses for none other but Jane Mancini and Jane is again in this like tiger suit <laughs> like, and she's, what the fuck it is a freaking tiger suit man I'm telling you, like, what is that? What is that? It is. It looks like a little cheerleader suit, and it and it has like the skirt with it too. That is that has print going vertical and horizontally in like patches. It's almost like she sewed together um, like a bunch of washcloths or dish rags, 
and it looks like scraps. <laughs> but as like you were tank. saying, it was, you know, fashion forward for the 90s. Was it? It seems like fashion backward because she's wearing like animal print. And then she has the 79 in the corner. Where do you see animal print? Babe? It looks like a tiger. Yeah, it's striped tiger suits. It is a striped tiger well, suit. She gets flowers. And, and she's very excited. She's like, oh, who could this be from? And I'm like, and it's just kind of like, Jane, like you should be very skeptical of receiving flowers from anybody, given your circumstances with the guys in your life. So she reads the note. She finds out that they're from Michael. And being very quick on her feet, she tells the delivery guy that he got the address wrong and that he really needs to deliver those flowers to the beach house. Right. So she gives him the new address. I think she slips him a couple extra bucks, Yeah, too. I think he's got a $20 bill in there. And he goes back on his merry way to deliver them back to his house. And Jane does not switch the card or anything. So she's just basically on a mission to be like, hey, Kimberly, check this out. Look what your fucking man sent me. <laughs> so- and she, she is like enamored with herself. Like she turns back to do her work and she just like giggles and like... Touches her face and whatnot. She's finally getting her day with Michael. Getting that revenge. Now we go to Billy and Susan's place. I guess I guess that's where this is. And they're they're having like a triple or double date with Jeffrey and Matt. Right. So they're hosting them and Jeffrey's helping in the kitchen. He's cutting veggies and it's like, okay, the moment that we see this, it's a very clear setup that he's going to cut himself. Yeah. My man with HIV, if you all don't remember, um, is cutting vegetables with no gloves or anything. And slink. He just slices his finger as they're talking, and he immediately is like, oh, God, and then throws all of the veggies into the sink. He is very careful, and he's making a big scene about this, and everybody's like, Jeffrey, it's okay. We'll get you a Band-Aid. It's not a big deal. Like, no worries. We can still use the vegetables, and he just discards them, and he kind of like has a meltdown and he runs outside. And look, it's not that serious. You were, you didn't reveal anything about yourself because if someone without AIDS cut veggies and cut their finger on it, no one would eat it regardless. You know? You don't you wouldn't just like wash it off and then eat the veggies. Those veggies are going to be discarded. You know? Well, not the entire tray. Maybe the one thing you're cutting. But he makes an effort to be like, everything. Right, exactly. Goes into the wash. So he runs outside. Of course, Matt follows. And he's having like a moment. He's crying. Well, close to it. And he's very frantic. And he's like, I just don't want you to get sick. I don't want to expose anybody. And Matt is like, he's up on his knowledge about HIV. Matt's like, there's HIV positive people that work in kitchens everywhere. They have a little sweet moment. And he's like, no, Matt, don't touch the cut. And he's like, "If unless you're going to drip your blood into my in a, an open cut of mine, <laughs> like, we'll be okay. We're all good. But, you know, we have to think about the times, too, because this was mid-90s. We're on the heels of, like, 
really the massive AIDS scare in the 80s. And I think that there was still at that point a lot of misconceptions about HIV and AIDS and how it was contracted. It's in the air. Yeah, and I think that... No, I don't think so, Jenny. Mid-90s? No. Uh, I kind of... I disagree. All right, but no. (laughs) Like, people knew what AIDS was. That's why it's on this TV. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like people knew what AIDS was, but I think that there was misconceptions about how easily it could be contracted. So people were wary of being friends or being close to people that were HIV positive because they, if I hug them or if I kiss them or if I got too close to them, if they cough on me, can I get it? I mean, there's still idiots in the world today who think that. But I think the majority of folks in, the, in 94 knew what was up. Well, Just like the majority of folks today. The way that they up. presented it, it felt kind of like a PSA. Yeah, like Uh, of Matt, like explaining, like, well, this is like unless you have this, that's the only way you can get it. Like when Jake got an AIDS test with the angry woman. (laughs) Yes, it's not AIDS. You're getting tested for HIV. Exactly. So I think that that kind of supports my claim of like they're wanting to kind of educate people that may not really, yeah, know. How, yeah, without how looking at, without like, <laughs> this could have been like a, like a after school special yeah. where like Matt like says freeze and everyone freezes <laughs> and then Matt like looks at the camera and is like, hi folks, you ever been in this situation? <laughs> well, guess what? It's all right. You should discard the vegetables, but no one's going to catch AIDS. All right. Everyone unfreeze. <laughs> and then like they go back to their thing. But yeah, and they have a sweet moment on the steps. Yeah. Jeffrey's a very broken person. Yeah, he's not doing well. He's pretty I, frazzled. Yeah. So they go back in, they kind of they they kind of patch things up and things are good with them. Can anyone else when Jeffrey's on screen, like I can't stop looking at the gap in his lower teeth. What? I can't. That's all I look at. I never notice that. That's all I can see whenever he talks. I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, they didn't have, like, dentists at the military. It's like the Tom Cruise they effect. Yeah, good dental. Yeah. <laughs> we just looked at a picture of Tom Cruise, and his he has, like, a tooth in the center of his mouth. Well, it's because his, his smile is kind of crooked. And now, Dan, he showed me this, and it's very hard to unsee it. You where, can't unsee it. Like, a lot of people, their two front teeth are kind of symmetrical to their nose, where, you know, where their nose is, then the two front teeth are, like, either side of the middle of the nose. Right. But Tom's Cruise, Tom Cruise's smile is, like, shifted. He has a tooth directly under his nose. And it just, like... It, it, it's like a cyclops tooth. <laughs> it does look kind of, <laughs> kind of different. That's where he keeps all the Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're getting off track. But so um, we're at the beach house now, and Kimberly is tending to the baby. There's a knock at the door. She puts the baby into the bassinet, and she sees the same delivery guy with that bouquet of roses. And Maria's still there. Like Maria, and she, lives Maria's with not them. doing a good job because Michael Jr. is not healthy. <laughs> 
So we learned that the baby's name is Michael Jr. For all this nursing, he's in deep shit. (laughs) You know, he has a nurse 24 hours and a doctor taking care of him. So Kimberly is elated to see these roses and she's talking to Michael Jr. and saying, oh, look how much daddy loves mommy. He sent me roses. Oh, Michael Jr. We're a lovely little family. But that tune changes very swiftly as she (laughs) looks and reads the note, which says, Dear Jane, You'll always be my wife. You're my one true love. Ouch. Kimberly is not happy to read this. Nope. Oh, and I forgot to mention that before she shuts the door on the delivery guy, he says, well, it took me a long time to find the place. I mean, I drove around for about an hour. You're kind of like hidden back here. And she's like, oh, great. Thanks. Like, I think he was kind of alluding to the fact that like, give me a tip. uh, Can I have like five bucks? And she just slams the door in his face. Fucking they're jerks. So um, after after she realizes that the flowers were intended for Jane and not her, she th- throws the entire vase at the wall. Smashes it. Then Michael Jr. starts crying again. And, and it's believe- kind of reminiscent of like when she first got back from the like the crow days. And she yeah. just started like, ah! like, She's about to go back to the crow. Yeah. Start getting headaches and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's the next day. Kimberly wakes up Michael and he, I love he, he wakes up. And he's like, Oh God, is this an earthquake? Cause she, she's she, like shaking the bed yeah. and like fucking him up. Like it's not a nice wake up. And then, um, she's like, no, Michael, get up. And he's like, and he, she says, no, it's your world falling down around you. And then he says, <laughs> Jesus Christ, will you take a volume or something? <laughs> Like, please, you psycho. You need to chill out. And she's like, you have two choices, Michael. You can stay here with me and Michael Jr. Or you can run off with your little slut. And she shows him the card. And he's like, oh, come on. I sent those to her. I'm like messing with her. You know? I got to keep her guessing. Got to keep on her toes. I'm trying to get in her head. Duh. It's like, yeah, that's why it so says you're my up. my real wife and you're my one true yeah. love. Well, Kimberly's supposed to be like, oh, okay, right, yeah, because <laughs> we're 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 getting in her head. I she see. is not buying it, um, so she gives him that ultimatum, and then we learn that the baby is having trouble breathing. Yeah, he's got some bronchial issues. Yeah, sounds that like whooping cough. Maria can't fix. Right. So. And I wrote immediately, little Michael Jr. is going to die of a bronchial infection. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, Kimberly's like, choose me or Jane. And Michael is like, look, we got to help this baby, you know? And he's right. Yeah, he wants to take the baby to the hospital. But Kimberly is like, I'm a doctor, Michael. I can take care of him myself. Like, well, look at him. Look at him. Look what he's you've done. Not doing great. Look what he's you've done on on under your care. He's he's in trouble. So we cut away from that scene and we are with Allison who places a call to Billy's apartment. However, he's not home and Susan answers. And Allison, she basically wants to invite Billy to a rehab night and like <laughs> <laughs> rehab <Hey guys>. night. <laughs> hey, just want to let you know it's rehab night. 
there's, there's gonna be chips. There's gonna be pretzels. There's gonna be sodas. Uh, no alcohol though, because it's rehab. But uh, just thought maybe you'd want to come. So Twin Oaks is having a meeting, and they are encouraging their patients to invite the person who got them into treatment. Dude, I resonate with this with these scenes because. When my parents got divorced, we had to go to uh, we had to go to therapy or whatever, mm-hmm. and then um, we, I was in like this group shit with like all these kids, and then like I guess it was maybe like once or twice a month there was like a big like group one, and your like everybody's parents would come. Oh, and like <laughs> there'd be like an outer circle of like the parents like just watching, like watching over like the conversation. And then there would be like the inner circle, and then like you would like spread it out, and it was really weird. But sounds like it. <laughs> but there was breaks where there was like soda oh. and like candy and like the good stuff. Nice. So I'd be like, I'd be there just like bullshitting, and then like I just need that charm lollipop. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get the fucking donuts <laughs> as soon as this is over. But um, yeah, so that's why I was like therapy night or like rehab night. <laughs> Yeah, therapy, rehab, all kind of the same thing. So she asks Susan if she can pass the message along to Billy because Billy was really the instrumental person in getting her into treatment that the meeting is tomorrow night and if she could ask if Billy could attend and kind of be there to support her. So Susan says, sure, I'll pass the message along. And then Allison makes sure to say, thanks, Susan. You're a great friend. Thanks, Susan. What? She's not really a great friend, is she? No, she's a terrible friend, and you don't need to give her compliments. Yeah, you, you don't. Just, you just say, uh, thanks for passing the message along. It's just weird. Yeah, appreciate it. Bye. You're actually a horrible friend who's fucking my ex-fiance. <laughs> so we're back with Allison and Terry. We're back in the kitchen, And they're doing this again. So Allison hasn't complained to anybody or kind of told anybody how Terry's basically been abusing her. Yeah, he throws a dish rag at her. And he's like, hey, (laughs) Cupcake, you're supposed to be scrubbing the pots, not chatting on the phone. Because she just hung up um, after her call to Susan. And she's like, hey, Terry, why don't you fuck off, like, royally? Like, get out of my face. And then this is what Terry needs Someone to like shit Stand on him a little up to bit, him. and then he opens up and he's like, oh. like immediately he opens up like all like they're like old pals. It's the way that he shifts from yeah. like this like very aggressive, mean outwardly like like I'm want to make your life hell to, well actually I'm not just a drunk. I also have I'm sexually compulsive, and like I'm like. <laughs> I'm so confused right now, and I wrote, this guy needs to just be locked in a room. <laughs> and Like, he needs his own section. He elaborates on this. He says... He needs the Hannibal Lecter, like, mask. Face mask and, and like, and the dolly. jacket. <laughs> yeah, he like, can't walk on truck. his own. <laughs> like, just wheel that motherfucker to group. Wheel him around. He needs his own wing. <laughs> this guy should not be in... He shouldn't be in gen pop. Yeah. <laughs> Let so, alone cooking. He's cooking food yeah. for everybody. This motherfucker is dangerous. <laughs> so 
he tells Allison. <laughs> he, is a, he is a danger to himself and others. He says, when I see someone, especially someone like you, I just gotta have them. Just gotta take gotta them. Have them. And He's it's so just intense. Like, what? And then he tells her, nobody knows about this. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, even Marsha. Like somebody should know about this. Cause yeah. when I get like, <laughs> like when I'm hacked up in my room, like in a bunch of different pieces and you're wearing me, I want people to understand yeah. why. <laughs> And honestly, if somebody said that to you, like you're having all these problems with this person, they're like, they put their hands on you, they've been berating you, and then they like all of a sudden shift gears so quickly and say, I actually want to like rape you, basically. I'd be like, all right, cool. I won't tell anybody. And then I'll <laughs> and go then, tell yeah, everybody. Exactly. I will tell every single person. But, you know, it's funny because Allison takes this as kind of like, oh, he's letting me in. Like, we're we're friends now. She is so bad with it's guys. terrible. So bad with guys. And, like, so Terry apologizes and Allison accepts it. And so I guess it's okay to be an asshole if you're a sex addict. That's what this teaches us. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm just mean because I'm horny <laughs> all the time. <laughs> That's all. Terry's not, this is not all right. I'm like very. Scared. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like worried and concerned. And he acts, he acts so intense. He is on like a thousand and everyone else is at like 200. Yeah. It's weird. It's, just, he's got a, a lot of issues. Now, the next scene is the little get-together for the patients and the Mm -hmm. person that was most instrumental in getting them into treatment. So they're all sitting around in the circle. Everybody's got their plus one. and There's a a shot of the fold-out chair where Billy should be. So there's an empty chair, and Allison is just kind of looking at it, transfixed on it, wondering, is Billy going to come? Marcia starts leading the group and kind of like introducing everybody and kind of explaining why they're there. And then Allison feels the need to interrupt her within like the first few words. And she's like, I'm sorry, Marcia, I have to leave. Yeah. Like, let her like introduce everybody first. And she's like, uh, okay. And, and then Terry, he, there's a shot of him like, Noticing yeah, Allison's taking seat. note of this. Yeah, he notices Allison's seat is empty and also is watching her leave. Probably because he has an erection. <laughs> so she goes right to the phone where she wants to call Billy and kind of see, like, where is he? Because, again, these is this is like back in the 90s. You, you don't have any, but, like, there's no way for him to confirm that he would be there. Yeah. Like, it's just... Pass along a message to Billy. If you're there, you're there. Yeah, and if you're not, you're not. So she's ha- she's not happy that he's not there. She's calling Billy, and we cut over to Billy and Susan on the couch together. All they do, and it's all they do is <sighs> hang out on that couch or in the bed. Oh, and it's just really, it's really awkward and weird. They're like drinking wine, and the phone rings. She's like, oh, Billy. Don't answer it. It's just got to be me and you. Like, 
Susan's always pressed on like how they need me and you time. But every time we cut to them, it's always me and you time. And it's always like, they're always alone. And it's always her complaining about how they need to be alone. Yes. Like, you know, like, like you're alone right now. Yeah. I hate people like that. They complain about shit. That's like happening. Yeah. That's not, that's not happening. What? And I want it to be just you and me. Well, it is, it is right now. It is right now, and you're complaining about how it's never you and me. She's like, relax. So she d- directs him not to answer the phone and just keeps like trying to kiss him and get busy with him. And it cuts to Billy's answering machine, and it's, leave a message if you want. If you don't, don't. <laughs> it's like the fucking worst. Great, Billy. That is the worst Answering machine message. So instead of leaving a message, Allison just hangs the phone up. She runs to her room. She doesn't know what to do. And she opens up her window and decides, I'm going to go get wasted. Very easily, too. Yeah. She just rolls out of her window. Second story, by the way. Luckily, there's like a little like roof awning that she's able to climb down off of and She's there's a bar really close by and it's the same one that yeah. she was contemplating visiting before she checked into Twin Oaks and uh she sees it it's like a beacon of hope on the horizon I thought Terry was going to come out the bushes and like football tackle her <laughs> I, <know. laughs> what I the fuck are you doing not be surprised <laughs> and then like rub her face in the dirt and be like no <laughs> no Allison <laughs> bad Allison <laughs> oh man so let's go to the beach house kimberly is freaking out baby has 105 fever guys that's really bad 105 105 on an infant a few days old michael's like all right we have got to go to the hospital right now and then kimberly's like no please we can't because this baby's supposed to be dead as shit. No, she doesn't say that. <laughs> she says, we can't. They're going to want to see birth certificates, a paper trail. We don't have that. And she's like, I bought the baby on the black market. Right, and this is news to Michael. He thought that she legitimately acquired this baby. Then which- Michael's like, what? The black market? All right, whatever. Who cares? This baby's going to die. <laughs> he said, I should have known. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'll deal with the yeah. paperwork. I don't care. It's not we, the fucking internet. It's like, like, oh, yeah, I'm just on the black market. <laughs> like, how did you get this baby? And it's weird that Michael didn't question her before this. Like, I, I know he was like, how did you get the kid? But it's like, no, honestly, yeah, quick. like, how did you get this kid? So finally, Kimberly, acqui- she acquiesces to this. They all load up in the car and they're off to the hospital to make sure that this baby gets better. Got to take care of that baby. Now we go back to Twin Oaks. Allison is very sneakily getting back into her room. Sneakily? She like. Oh, uh, she's like falling in, talking to herself. But she's trying herself. to be sneakily. Like she's, and again. She's like, well, motherfucker, I'm trying to get in this bitch. Allison is so good. She's like. Oh, God. Great job, Allison. Gotta get in here. And she's making a pretty big racket. She falls onto the floor. And then the lights switch on. 
And freaking Terry is just <laughs> creepily sitting in a chair. Terry is waiting for her in her room. Terry is an '80s like slasher villain. It's like Freddy Krueger or Jason. He's just there. He appears, and he's sitting in a chair. And she's like, "Oh, great! What the? F- you just here to fuck me? Yeah, hey, Mister Football Star, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell Miss Marsha on me? You're not my type, anyway. You're too beefy." And then <laughs> Terry runs over to her again, puts his hands on her, forcibly moves her over to the sink in her room, and then just starts dousing water in her face. And he's like, you're drunk. Wake up, you're drunk. And then he takes her neck, like the back of her neck, and he like grabs her head. He's beating her. I mean, like he's abusing her and he's like, look in the mirror. You see that? That's a drunk. You're looking at a drunk person right now. And like, does Terry work here? <laughs> no. How does he have access? He then throws her into bed and he's like, you're going to go to sleep and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch you throughout the entire night and make sure you don't leave your bed. And this is troubling because Terry's a patient and he is also he also has his run of the facility. He's handling all of the meals. He clearly has keys to her room and now he is like setting his own rules. <laughs> this is This is Terry's funhouse right now. <laughs> Very bad. Terry o- Terry's last name better be Oaks for Twin Oaks. <laughs> He's God. one of the twins. He's one of the twins. <laughs> Terry, <laughs> Terry and Jerry Oaks. We are Twin Oaks. This is my little funhouse. It's my farm system for having sex with all the women that I want to. Uh, to want to have sex with Terry Oaks. Okay, so. <laughs> Next up, we're with Joe, and she's at the hospital. She's talking to Michael, and she's trying to convince Michael that Michael Jr., the baby, is actually Joe's baby. And Daphne looks superb. I mean, she Flawless. gave birth to this kid a week or under, and she like looks amazing. She's stunner. In the other the other scene, red power suit, like mm-hmm. I said, this one, she just looks bad as hell. Right, so she she basically convinces Michael to do a blood test. And he, she's like, if you don't believe me, do a blood test. And if I'm crazy, it'll show you that I'm crazy. And then we can put this to bed. But I'm telling you, Michael, that is my baby. Like, I'm says, not going to go away. She says, your bitch wife stole my baby. <laughs> so he agrees. He says, okay, meet me up in the lab in an hour I'll, we'll do the test, and we'll confirm whether or not this baby is really yours. Room 320. Now we go back to Twin Oaks. Allison wakes up all hungover, and she's, she says to Terry, thanks for saving my butt last night. Yeah, so she wakes up. Terry like, is... Seriously? You better check for entry. <laughs> you better get a rape kit, see what's up. Terry that is, is not cool. Terry's sleeping at her desk, and like they both wake up, and he, she's like, wow, I was really bad last night, wasn't I? And then he was like, yeah, you know, I sat here and I watched you all night, and I could hear the old me saying, take her. She's drunk as hell. Who cares? Just take her. But you know what, Allison? I didn't. 
You know, I just, I, I thought about your friend and how he wants you to get well. And I thought maybe I could get well too. And then her response to, and then he says, he says, I'm not going to tell anybody about last night. It'll be our little secret. Like he's doing her a favor. Like, don't worry. I'm not going to tell anybody that Man, what? you this snuck out and I like attempted to rape you and forcibly made you go to sleep and I wouldn't leave your room. And then she goes, thanks, Terry. I owe you one. This is like you reverse. Do? Like, hey, Jenny, uh, I thought about shitting on the floor last night, but I didn't. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be shitting on the floor, period. So weird. Hey, uh, you're welcome. Didn't rape you. Wanted to. (laughs) Wanted to. Big time. But didn't. So so weird. So you owe me one. Anyway. Jesus Christ, man. Anyway. This place this place is not a good facility. It's weird. We cut now over to Matt's apartment where he and Jeffrey are having breakfast. He's made Jeffrey, you know, eggs and sausages and it, it looks like a great well-balanced meal. Jeffrey's impressed. He asks, "Hey, like do you do this every day?" And then Matt alludes to the fact, well, it's just me, Jeffrey. I live alone. I mean, there's really no reason for me to go all out on breakfast. I just usually have something easy. And then Jeffrey says, Matt, I'm not moving in with you, okay? Yeah, it's like a lot has... <laughs> that came out of left field. Or or like they're just a, there's a lot going on with Matt and Jeffrey that we don't see, <laughs> you know? Yes. Like every day there's cu- like a note on the wall like, Jeffrey, move in. Jeffrey. Yeah, either move in. they're cutting scenes or they just like want think that we should know this or something. Yeah. So Amanda drops by on their little breakfast and she knocks in. She knocks on the door. Matt opens the door and Amanda immediately just like spills into this story. She's like, I heard. I'm sorry. But hey, don't worry. There's not a health hazard. He can swim in the pool. Now I talked to I talked to uh to Billy and Susan. They're okay with him having AIDS. She it's all good. She doesn't come out and say that. She alludes to it. Jeffrey hears the commotion at the door. He comes out. And Matt just shuts the door. Well, he doesn't say shit to out to Amanda. He just shuts the door on her. Now Jeffrey hears enough to know the secrets out. Matt has told his friends about his status. He's upset. He's mad about this. You didn't ask me. Like, bro, you cut your finger and destroyed the, the vegetable dinner. <laughs> what was I going to tell him? Yeah, so things ain't good in Matt and Jeffrey Town. I mean, how would you handle that situation? Like, you cut your finger, and then you run out of the house, and then they're like, what's wrong with him? I would say, what, what, what are you supposed to say? That's not my story to tell. You're going to have to ask Jeffrey. Well, that's even more. No, Dan, I think you can protect your your significant he's very, other. He's very sensitive about his fingers. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I he think has AIDS. we established that there is maybe a lot of things that go on between Matt and Jeffrey that we don't know or we don't see. So if Jeffrey explicitly told Matt to keep this under wraps, mm-hmm. I would just say something like, you know, he gets nervous when he's around a crowd or like. 
you know, I, I, he's, he has a lot going on with work right now. And, um, he just kind of had a moment last night and I'm so sorry about that. Like you don't, that doesn't mean like you cut yourself doesn't equal he has AIDS. I don't think like your brain would go there. It's just like, he's got a lot going on in his life. Uh, your brain would go there. If someone cut themselves, then threw everything they were cutting into the sink. I mean, my brain went there. And ran out of the place. Like you would say, huh? He's very sensitive about his blood. Might have AIDS. That's where I would immediately go. Well, I don't know. I think that there were ways that Matt could have protected Jeffrey, especially if they set the groundwork that like, hey, we're not telling people about this. And I do think that's a huge thing to reveal to somebody without having your partner's permission to do that. I think it's messed up. Uh, I agree with Jeffrey here. It's messed up when you destroy a dinner with all your blood. <laughs> Dan, it was veggies. We all know you don't give a shit about vegetables. Well, you know, hey. So we go to D&D. Amanda and Billy are having lunch in Amanda's office. And Amanda says he has to let Allison go. Right. And we there's some papers that Allison needs to fill out. And Amanda wants to have them messaged over to her. Billy says, you know, why don't I drop them off? I want to go see her anyway. At first, she Amanda's like, no, no, I don't want you going over there. You have to let her go. And then that, of course, is when Peter decides to drop by yeah, again. Man. He bursts in. He's like, hey, hey, I see you having lunch with this guy. Weren't you guys sexually involved? Well, before that... Amanda sends Billy on his way, and I think just in order to get him out of the office and just kind of like let like just let him go, she's like, "Go ahead, deliver these papers to Allison. You've got my permission because yeah. I think she kind of knows what's coming with Peter. We've already established Peter doesn't like the fact that she and Billy are palling around, and here they are eating lunch together. Shouldn't Peter be at work, like yeah. running a hospital? You'd think. Get the hell out of D&D. You would think. So Peter goes into this long thing, like you were mentioning, you know, I've done some digging around and I found that you and Billy used to be together. Weren't you pregnant with his baby and you miscarried? Did you really want that baby, Amanda? Did you love him? Jealousy is not a good look on Peter. awful. He's getting all kinds, kinds of crazy. And then she's like, no, I didn't love Billy. Bullshit, you told him you did. (laughs) You definitely told him you loved him. And Peter reminds Amanda about another dinner. And Amanda's like, yeah, I can't go to that. And he's like, Amanda, I need you at the club tonight. I'll see you at eight. And it's like, okay, because you now basically own D&D and Amanda's the president, she's your indentured servant or something? Yep. What's up with that? That's That's how it works in Peterland. I guess so. Didn't you see his chessboard? His electronic chessboard? <laughs> I forgot. Checkmate. <laughs> that dude's living large. Billy's made it over to Twin Oaks. She, he's dropping off the papers. He's happy to see Allison, but he kind of picks up on the fact that Allison is kind of like, oh, great. Thanks, Billy. See you later. And he's like, wait, what's wrong? Are he, you okay? He says he's proud of her for doing all this. And she's like, cut the crap. 
Like if you were He's really like, proud of me, you would have come to the the night that we had here the other night, and I really wanted to share that moment with you. He's and like, what are you talking about? So he has no idea. Now she's putting two and two together. Well, I told Susan about it, and she said that she would pass the message along to you. And Billy says, I never got a message from Susan. Hmm. Seems interesting. So and now Billy goes home. He goes home. Susan's making some blackened shrimp, and he's like, turn off the stove. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, why does she need to turn off the stove? He ain't having He's like, stop cooking. I'm tired of you cooking. Um, and, I, you know, I can't help but think about this is a little taste of Billy's old medicine. Billy used to fuck with the phones and messages all the time. <laughs> Actually, yes, he, he used did. used to fuck it all up. Remember? Freaking Keith, Keith would, call, would call and he would erase the message. Like, hey, Keith, fuck off. Don't ever call here again. That's so right. He would like not give her messages. I totally forgot yeah, about that. He was a big old phone player. He'd be unplugging shit. He'd be getting messages and then going there. Like, <laughs> like he was all about playing on You're the phone. So right. <laughs> so now finally somebody's fucking with his phone calls. Right, so- and he's like, don't you ever Take away my phone calls. He says to her, you know, I don't like being lied to. So he confronts Susan about the fact that Allison did call and she never passed the message along. And Susan is like, Billy, look, I forgot. I'm so sorry. I have a lot on my mind. Which that could be a valid excuse. Eh, I guess. But in that day and age in 94, that's what you did. You took messages, you know? Yeah, so now this is building into a bigger thing. Susan says, Billy Allison doesn't need you anymore. You need to stop. Let her be and work on us. I'm here. Like, I want to be with you. Yeah, but you didn't before. Like, their whole situation is flipped. She's she's saying the same shit Billy used to say to her. Let's work on us. We need to not worry about Allison. You're totally right. You know, and then give us a chance. And Susan says, you know, you've got to stop seeing her. And then Billy says, I can't. There will always be love for Allison. And that's never going to change. I'm going to love her one way or another. And that's just the way it is. He's like, I won't desert a friend who needs my help. And that's where we leave him. Billy's like, can't get away from He Can't quit Allison. Can't quit her. I now, can't quit. <laughs> we cut on over did, to... Did you say that Susan revealed that her parents were alcoholics? Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Well, she's like, I hate alcoholics. My mom was an abuser. I always had to deal with excuses of, oh, mom can't be there. She's tired or blah, blah, blah. And that she, had this, she has this big thing against alcoholics, which totally negates her, I just forgot. So now you're a liar. Because you also hate alcohol. Like, why would you, why would you give that story that you hate alcoholics, and also be like, I forgot. That's not a combo. Yeah. You know, that's 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 one lie and one truth. So, bad news, Susan. You don't lie to Billy. All right, Billy. Oh, you're being protective of Billy now. Billy, Who are you, Billy? Cut you off. Billy, cut you off. 
So next scene, we are back at Twin Oaks and it's group therapy again. So very reminiscent of the opening, well, the be one of the beginning scenes. And Marsha asks who would like to go first and Allison volunteers. And she admits, I've been blaming a lot of other people and I'm ready to take responsibility. I'm Allison and I'm an alcoholic. And Terry is her biggest fan. Right. He starts clapping it up for her. And I want to take a second. Marsha is played by Francesca P. Roberts. She is so looks so familiar. She is known for she plays Bertha in Super Mario Brothers. Um she's unlegally blonde. Um mm. she plays Marina R. Bickford. Um She's in a movie called Gladiator, not the Gladiator we know, a 1992 Gladiator. She's an Empire. She's mm. Judge Barnes. She's oh, I know you might know her from what? Shameless. Oh, she's a, she's a social worker. She's Miss Taylor. I don't know who that is. Yeah, she's had a great career, man. She's on. She's been an Always Sunny, Wilfred, Law and Order, L.A. Um, Pushing Daisies, Boston Legal. Yeah, she's doing her thing. Grey's Anatomy. Um, So, yeah, that's her. What's up, Francesca? So, Terry is super stoked that Allison is finally taking ownership of her disease. Now we are with Matt, and he's eating lunch at the same restaurant that he first met Jeffrey. God, that tooth gap is on. Center stage. Oh, my God. So Jeffrey shows up, and he, and Matt, of course, is surprised to see him and asks, you know, how, how did you know I was here? And Jeffrey said, well, when I went to your place and you weren't there, I thought it was a pretty good guess that you would be at the restaurant where we first met. Where I was like, weird. I would never guess that. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey... Is like, I don't understand this. Yeah. Jeffy's like breaking up with him. At first, I thought they were breaking up, and like I Jeffrey was gonna up. say, We can't be together, but then he's like, I love you. And then Matt's like, I love you too, Jeffrey. And the scene ends with them holding hands. And yeah, and he, Jeffrey's like, I want to take a little more time alone to work things out. Work what out? Like, how to deal with a cut. No, he's like mad. He's mad that Matt told his friends about his HIV status. And I think beyond that, he's just working through a lot of personal stuff. Mm. And he needs... So I, I don't know where that where that where where we stand with them. Are they broken up? Or are so. they on a break? I hope they're broken up. Or like, are they still together and Jeffrey's just not going to come around as much? I don't know. A lot of ambiguity. Yeah. So it's nighttime. Billy comes home and he catches Susan moving out in the middle of the night. And she gives him the keys and Billy's like, don't leave. Yeah, he says, don't leave. We can work things out. What do you mean? You just told her that you love Allison and that's just the way it is. And that you will always, she will always be in your life. And you will always love her. That is like grounds for goodbye. And honestly, Billy, (laughs) you can't have it both ways. You can't keep two women around to just be like, 
Well, Allison's the one I love, but Susan's the one I just have sex with. Like, well, yeah, why should she stay? There's no reason for her to stay. And it is insulting for you to say, let's work it out. You don't love her. You love somebody else. And Susan originally was like, I didn't, she didn't originally try to break them up. She was trying to like stay out of it. And Billy was pressing it. Yeah. Remember that, Billy? Yeah. Billy pressed the issue to get with her. And he was like, give us a chance. Let's be together. I don't care about Allison. I like you. We need us. We need alone time. Like, where's that Billy? Yo, you guys have completely flipped. Well, because he got he got what he wanted from Susan, and now he's all about Allison. Yeah. That sucks. He got bored. So now we head to Twin Oaks. That might be the last time we see Susan, too. It might. It just might. Um, Terry is walking with Allison to her room, and then he assaults her again. He just starts making out with her. Yeah, I mean, like, and he forcibly grabs her head and shoves his neck, uh, shoves his tongue down her throat. Like, you can see this happen. She does kiss him back a little bit, but then she backs off and she's like, Terry, no. Like, Terry's disgusting. He's despicable. (laughs) Terry needs some rules, like ground rules laid down. He might need a straitjacket. And he's like, Allison, that kiss was real. <laughs> like, it's not about my addiction. It's not just because I want to fuck everything that moves. <laughs> All right. And she's like, Terry, we need to lay off for both of our sakes. Like, for now. You're- I don't like guys that beefy. <laughs> so now we go to Amanda's place. Amanda's like doing some work at her coffee table, just chilling. And Peter, like, barges in, and he wants her to come out for a few drinks. Yeah, and then, of course, Amanda, given the last few times she's met with Peter, she says, you know, you should really call first next, Peter. We have we have spent the last two nights together. I think we should cool it. Like, I'm doing a lot of work. I'm, You know I have a lot going on at D&D. And he immediately is like, hey, hey, do you know the only reason that you have this job is because you slept with me? Yeah. Like, no, it's Yuck. not. It's because we co- it's, it's because we like co-decided to like kill Bruce. And he says, I've been in the operating room since 4 a.m. And I still make time for you. You need to do the same for me. And he like grabs her. He gets all handsy. And she's like, don't you dare hurt me. Peter fucking sucks. I hate Peter. Yeah, I hate Peter now, too. And I used to like Peter in the beginning. Like, I thought that he and Amanda were very well suited for one another. But after all, like, after the whole, like, we're going to sacrifice the lamb together talk where they're all like. Tell me the three weaknesses. (laughs) Like, I started to be like, okay, I don't really like him. And now it's like, uh, I hate him. He's very aggressive. Not into it. He's just like, look, no one walks out on me. And I I just wanted to to say for Amanda, like, okay, fine. You walk out on me. You're walking out on me. Like, bye. Yeah, I don't care who wins. Just go home. Like, like, leave me alone. (laughs) Just get out of here, man. Ugh. Yeah, she's in over her head with that guy. Peter sucks. We'll go to Wilshire Memorial. 
And Michael calls Joe. He they ran the tests, and he's like, "Hey, you know what? You're right. Blood's a match." So it's your baby. Of course, Joe is overjoyed to hear this news. She thinks the reason that Michael is calling is to deliver the news and try to help her in getting her baby back. Yeah, she's like, great. Well, I'll come pick him up at seven. I'll, I'll be right around. And Michael's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, no, no, no. It's still our baby. Like, Kimberly and I have been raising this child, and we're the only parents he knows. Yeah. Seems like to me, if you come and get him, the Carters get him. So he's Michael Jr. is better off with us, and he can call you Aunt Joe. Yeah, he'll at least kind of <laughs> see you, and you might be able to be in his life. And she's like, you motherfucker! You can't keep me away from my baby! And then he just says, sorry, Joe, it's a done deal. He, she should have recorded that convo. But what is the motivation for Michael? He doesn't want a kid. He he sold his soul to um, Kimberly. He has to. Kimberly made him choose, and he's like, "I can't give up this beach house." I guess you're right. We got. We got. Jane's not actually going to take me back. Yeah, Marie. Jane doesn't want me. Maria watches most of Michael Maria, Jr. Anyway, Maria lives here now. <laughs> yeah, we got to live in nanny. I live on the beach. Sometimes I can bang Jane. All right, I'm with you, Kim. So that's it, guys. End of the episode. End of the ep. The, a lot happened, man. Mm-hmm. A lot. This recap was hard to do. So let's just rattle them off. Joe's lawyer tells her she's screwed up big time. Allison makes a friend in rehab. Michael wants Jane back. Jane doesn't care. Matt tells his friends about Jeffrey's HIV status. Allison is not adjusting well to rehab after she meets Terry. Jane reveals her affair to Kimberly. Uh, Jake and Sydney are on the rocks after he realizes she nailed Chris. Billy realizes he still has feelings for Allison and Susan moves out. Jeffrey cuts himself with a knife and freaks out. Baby has a whooping cough and goes to the hospital. Kimberly makes Michael choose Jane or her. Michael does a blood test to confirm the baby is Joe's but refuses to give it back. (laughs) Peter gets crazy over overprotective and demanding of Amanda. And Allison admits that she's an alcoholic. Did you already say Susan doesn't give Billy a message that Allison needs him at, at a, for a group chat? I just said Susan moves, moves uh, out. That's kind of like where that storyline goes. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey basically breaks up with Matt. You already said that? Peter gets very handsy. I think we're going really into details that we don't need to. All right. There we go. 90s moments. I've got, um, oh, what's her name? The the leader of the group. Marsha. Marsha's peace sign earring. Oh, I saw that too. She also had a really nice celestial sun, mm. the, the pin. And then she had this really weird pin on later on in the episode where it was like, Ten people. <laughs> it was like a pin of like the silhouette of like several people in a group. That's probably all the people that she's helped over the years. Yeah. Um, the entertainment center in Michael and Kimberly's room is like the whole wall is like a shelving unit where you would put like a box TV. I like that. Terry's high tops. 
Hella 90s. Oh, I, was, I, thought, I thought they were Jordans. They were no, Nikes. They ain't Jordans. I think they were, babe. No. Sydney's mock turtleneck. Billy's answering machine message. The print on the baby's bassinet. Lots of <laughs> primary colors and weird shapes. Joe's cordless phone had that massive antenna. The Valium reference. Get a Valium. No one takes Valium anymore. They don't? Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's all I got. And the whole idea of being a sex addict. I think for the 90s, that was like super cutting edge. Was it? I think. All right. So, Dan, what what did you learn? What's the lesson you're going to take away from this episode? My lesson is don't, for any reason, check in to Twin Oaks. There's a guy there <laughs> who is seeking treatment <laughs> that also works there and abuses people. <laughs> Get a fucking Far away from Twin Oaks as you can. That is really great advice. You see anywhere called Twin Oaks, you stay away. <laughs> I'm dude, the twin. He's just running it over there. They have no guards. It's just Terry. He's like laughing at people. <laughs> In the groups. It's like, Terry, how long have you been there? I don't know, man. <laughs> Uh, that's great advice, Dan. Um, I learned you shouldn't work with your work for your power obsessed boyfriend. No, if he tries to employ you, you just say, "I'm good." Yeah, I have my own. I got my own path here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good lesson. Now it is time for bitch, bitch of, of the, the week. week. I'm a boss ass bitch, 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 bitch. All right, last week, I said that Chris Marchette was the bitch, and Amanda, sorry, Jenny. Excuse me? (laughs) Amanda said Jenny was the bitch. (laughs) And with a vote of 13 to 6, Zach, we did it. We got Chris a bitch of the week crown before he rolled out. Well, congratulations, Daniel. I will say it is merited. Hey, this one, it's, we, we could not let that man slide throughout his whole little obsession with, with, with getting with Sydney without getting one bitch of the week. So good job, everyone. I'm glad we got that man bitch of the week. So let's read what you all had to say about it. Carly said... Charlie, babe. Oh, yeah, Charlie. Charlie said... Hearing y'all debate the pronunciation of my name made my morning. It's pronounced like Charlie, but I guess my parents wanted to put a girly spin on the spelling. Anyway, my bitch of the week vote goes to that slimeball Chris. I don't even know where to begin with this guy. He lied to Jane. He stole her money. He tried to beat up Jake. He had thugs beat up Jake. He he sort of raped Sydney. He kidnapped (laughs) Sydney. Oh, then he hit Sydney after winning, whining and dining her up in Vegas. This guy is an absolute shit show, all neatly packaged up in an Australian creeper face. (laughs) He is definitely the bitch of the week. Donald says, honestly, I'm torn. I want to make Zach's dream come true and vote for Chris. I looked it up and spoiler alert, this is Chris's last episode. And for that, 
I can't vote for him. I think this was a complete waste of a character. It makes no sense. They've been building this character up as an evil, manipulative person. And this is just that that's all that happens. I mean, he tries to rape her and then he forced her to have sex with him so his men wouldn't beat up Jake. And then he kidnaps her and lets her do whatever she wants, gambles Jane's money away, and then just runs away. I don't understand why the writers wrote it this way. I mean, he could have held Sydney hostage and demanded more money from Jane and Michael, but instead he just beats Michael up and then runs away. So dumb. I feel like us Melrose Place fans were robbed. I have to vote for Amanda because I think a lot of things that she did in this episode were so wrong, like making Billy VP and then having him fire Allison. Why doesn't she just fire Allison herself? Why have him do it when she knows he's not going to? And then why would he even go along with it? Why wouldn't he just tell her that he's not going to do it? I mean, he told her several episodes ago that he wasn't going to be her personal errand boy or something like that. I mean, Amanda doesn't even show any remorse for Bruce killing himself, which is why I don't understand why he did it. And that's very confusing to me, too, because this episode had a lot of plot holes in it, especially where the Chris character is concerned. I mean, this is literally the end result. What a waste it could have been way better. I mean, even the way that Joe is written in this episode, why wouldn't she tell Jake what happened? Jake would believe her. You know, you make a lot of great points, Donald. I totally agree with you that Jake would believe Joe. And if that is truly the last time we see Chris and there's like nothing said about what happens to the $500,000, that's insane. He just had to go away. He had to run. Zach says, thank you, Dan. I knew you would come through. (laughs) There are literally hundreds of future episodes for Amanda to be awarded Bitch of the Week. There even exists a giant poster of her face with the slogan, Mondays are a bitch. We ain't covering new ground here. This shit is old hat. This was most definitely Chris's final appearance, possibly even the last time he's ever mentioned. And I find it appalling that he gets away without any reprimand as far as the official MP canon is concerned however little did he know that two extraordinary individuals named jenny and dan hill would create a judicial system (laughs) for cases such as his where all offenders of the melrose place universe would have to answer for their crimes of bitchiness and be judged by a jury of podcast listeners it's been 24 years but the past is now catching up with chris marchette and i have every bit of faith in the voters that his day has finally arrived. Hashtag justice for Mancini designs. Love that hashtag. Beautiful. Sherry says, I'm going with Dan Hill on this one. I vote Chris for bitch of the week for sure. The fact that Chris kidnapped Sydney and took advantage of Jane's feelings and Jane's heart, who is trying to make a name for herself at Jane Mancini designs and then steals Jane's money instead of putting the check of all of the money Jane made from her business thriving in the joint account that they shared together at the bank, knowing full well that Jane was putting her trust in him because they were working together in a business relationship and not to mention they were engaged to get married. 
Who does that? And then on top of it, Chris takes Jane's money and spends it on her sister, Sydney, by getting Sydney expensive earrings and a matching necklace and an expensive dress and a shawl. And he gambles all of Jane's money and loses it all. When Michael and Jane find Chris, he ends up giving Jane only $5,000 out of $550,000. Chris, you are nothing but a bitch. Who makes bitch moves in his life? What a piece of shit. Chris <laughs> really is. Chris is the bitch of the week for sure. Also, Dan and Jenny Hill, the original song heard in the scene when Sydney is getting a massage in her suite. Uh, and where Chris is, is the song Not Unusual by Tom Jones. It's not, not unusual to be loved by anyone. anyone. Jake walks into Sydney and Chris's suite at the hotel when the man comes in with the fruit platter is the song, Come Fly With Me. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. And finally, the original song heard in the scene when Allison runs away from Billy and Matt at the gas station and is looking at the bar and crying on the bus stop bench is the song, Out of Tears by the Rolling Stones. Wait, you mean it's not... Take me to that everlasting love. Do, 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 do. The in my heart is dreaming Thanks, Sherry. Take me to that everlasting love. JoJo says, Chris is a creep who deserves to be put in jail and have the key thrown away. What he did to Jane is despicable. Sydney was awful in this episode as well. Props to Jake for seeing through her BS at the hotel. Bitch of the week, Chris. Dan, good pick. Jenny, love you. Love you, JoJo. (laughs) I understand your reasons. It's okay. Um, Graham says, let's make no mistake. Amanda has been a despicable bitch of the last three weeks at least. And drunk Allison was the only one who had the Dutch courage to tell Amanda that, of course, she had a part to play in Bruce's suicide. That that Amanda then turned around and asked Billy to fire Allison because she knew it would hurt her even more is an even more despicable bitch move. That said, I'm afraid I have to vote for Chris this week. He is a monumental Melrose villain. Literally everything about him is dreadful, and it just would not be right to send him on his way without the coveted Bitch of the Week accolade. I am just so sad that now Chris is gone, we won't get to hear Dan and Jenny's frankly hilarious impressions of him, which were so on point. Were they? (laughs) Don't worry, Graham. I'll be making my appearance shortly. We'll be back, Graham. I think my Chris's is just all of a twist. <laughs> I, I'm Chris Marshall. <laughs> That's yours. <laughs> uh, Gregory simply says, this dude raped Sydney. Bitch. Period. <laughs> I love. That's very to the point. Very to the yep, point. Yep. Love it. Now, this episode, there could have been, there's a lot of bitches. Susan strikes me as a big bitch in this episode, not giving messages and then not being nice to uh, Jeffrey when he cut his finger. Matt could be a bitch. Totally. For um, for telling everyone that he has AIDS. Michael could be a bitch for learning the truth about Joe's baby and then oh, still yeah. refusing to, <laughs> to do anything to help her. 
Kimberly could be a bitch for letting her stolen child have a fever of 105. You might even <laughs> say that Jane could be a bitch for going ahead and sending those roses to Kimberly in an effort to hurt her. Yeah. Um, Terry could be a definite <laughs> bitch for being so goddamn grabby. And then, of course, Peter. Peter, for sure. Uh, what are you going to go with, Dan? This week, uh, after, like, I I had one before the podcast, then doing it, I want to say Terry, <laughs> but I'm going with Peter. Peter is my bitch of the week this week. Uh, he's demanding. He's nervous. He's a jealous little prick throughout this episode, and that's never a good look to show that much jealousy. Um, you, you, like, you can almost lead someone to do the things that you fear they will do by, by sharing that much jealousy. And what I mean by that is the more he says, like, hey, I know you used to date Billy. Did you like it? Do you love it? Stop having lunch with him. Are you guys going to start dating again? Like, that shit will get into her head and force her towards Billy. You know, and like, bro, you're like a doctor. You run Wilshire Memorial and you have to like, you have to demand that women come to dinner with you. Like you should just be able to like, okay, whatever. You don't want to come to dinner with me. I'll find 20 other girls that will be a, be a boss. That's kind of bitchy to be that demanding. Then you put your hands on her. That's a bitch move. Grabbing girls, like to, it's just it's just not a good look. Come on, doctor. I thought you were a baller. Get a new girl. Like just let her run. Let her run her business, and you just collect the check. Stop being all in it. You're being a bitch, dude. All right, Dan. Well, thank you for that. Um, however, you're welcome. The reason you couldn't pick Terry <laughs> is because I had dibs on him. You got to what? <laughs> okay, Terry. <laughs> absolute clear-cut bitch of this week. I mean, guys, when we first see Terry, when you're sharing things in a group setting at a therapy, like that's that's a huge no-no. Like, you never laugh at somebody or make them feel like their thoughts are unfounded or not correct. Like, you should never, ever do that and belittle somebody. And then when they're paired together to have to work in the kitchen, the way that he treats her, calling her names, and then grabbing her and acting that way toward her, I mean, that alone could, like, she could file an assault suit against him, the way that he acted toward her. And then, I mean, I think the kicker for me is the whole, like, he confides in her that I have a sex addiction, but nobody knows, and, like, I want to rape you. And then, <laughs> like, he tells her that. And then he breaks into her room as she's coming home from getting drunk. And the way that he acts with her, he... You're welcome. He shoves water in her face. He, again, is getting very physical with her, screaming at her, and then has the audacity to say, oh, and I'm going to keep last night between you and me. For whose benefit? Yeah. For... <laughs> you breaking laws yeah, up in like, Twinnow? Okay, well, yeah, Allison left and she got drunk. Okay, that's... 
that's unfortunate and it's probably against the rules at that rehab facility, but it's a free country. If she wants to go drink, she can. If you want to hold somebody prisoner, because essentially that's what he was doing, he could get arrested for kidnapping and false imprisonment for that. And make saying, you need to lay in your bed, you're not allowed to leave. And then admitting the next day, I really wanted to rape you, but I didn't. So you're welcome. You're like, and then her thanking him for that, that was like insane to me. That guy is the biggest bitch, and I think we all know where this is headed. They're going to definitely hook up, and we're supposed to feel like, oh, this big guy is like just a teddy bear, and he he just needs help from a good woman like Allison. Well, I'm never going to buy into it. It's totally bullshit to me, and Terry is the bitch of the week for sure. All right. Tuesday, you heard this episode. Now go to our Facebook group or Twitter and vote. Terry or Peter? Vote for Peter. So, Dan, this episode was named Sex, Drugs, and Rockin' the Cradle. I don't know how we're going to beat this. (laughs) What are you going to name it? I'm renaming this one Grabby Guys. (laughs) Terry and Peter are so grabby. They really they got that. their hands all over these girls at Melrose Place. Just grabbing. What about you? Rehab romance. I think we're seeing this blossom. And again, I think it's going to be a storyline of future episodes. Where he just constantly sneaks into her room and locks her in there. And I could rape you right now, you know. Do it. <laughs> You don't have to rape me because I want you I'm to. I'm willing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, predictions. What are we going to see in future episodes? I hope that dialogue that we just did. <laughs> uh, I think Peter's going to get even more, like, handsy. Totally. And me, he might hit her. He yeah. might. He might hit her, and, like, Billy might see it. Ooh, I like that. And be like, hey, hands off. <laughs> And they have to, like, fight or something. Yeah, and he's like, what are you going to do, Billy, you little bitch? Just like Keith. (laughs) Remember, Keith was like, get the fuck out of here, Billy. What you got? Um, But I think it it will push uh, Amanda into Billy's arms. Mm. Billy into Amanda's arms. Uh, I think Allison and Terry have rehab sex Mm -hmm. and lots of it. Mm -hmm. I think Michael Jr. dies. Oh. (laughs) A bronchial problems um but not before matt plays a part in getting him back for joe oh i think matt's the last like the savior yeah he's the last little piece of like hey i don't really do anything at this hospital what can i help you with (laughs) uh i think that happens i think that i think there's going to be more jane and michael like she'll she'll crack again and bang michael for show hmm that might be the end of Susan. Yeah, I think she's done. Adios, Susan. Did, did Susan get a quickie? We'll give her a quickie. Yeah, I think Billy is going is ready to get back with Allison now. But then Allison is going to pursue this little flirtation with Terry. Mm-hmm. And I think that that might push Billy back into Amanda's court. 
Take um, me to that like he says. <laughs> I think the Melrose Place friends might be wary of hanging out with Jeffrey now because they know his status. Like, ooh, Jeffrey. And that could be a source of, like, you know, new drama, new mm-hmm. villains, people that don't want to associate with him because he's HIV positive. Uh, I think Jake and Sydney are done. I think that that little romance has oh, yeah. run its course, and I think Jake won't t- take Sydney back, and they'll probably switch partners and start messing with other people. Uh, and then I think that I, I agree with you. I think the baby's going to die. Yeah. I really do. I think that that's the only way to... Poor little Mikey Jr. Michael Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to die of whooping cough. Oh. He's had a rough life. 105, man. He had a tough go, man. 105. Just out the gate. And then he has to deal with like smashing glass while he's sleeping. (laughs) Maria always handling him. Just no life. Yeah. It's probably cold in there too on the beach. Poor Michael Jr. Mikey (laughs) Jr. Get well soon, bud. (laughs) We got to do a quickie up. We got to do a quickie up for Michael Jr. So we'll see. We'll see. Hey, so is the baby that played Michael Jr. is fucking 25. That's weird. <laughs> he might be listening to this. If you're out there, Michael Jr. baby, <laughs> you, you were listen. great. You were so good. You were awesome. <laughs> if anyone wants to like do a little research, <laughs> let's try to find Michael Jr. <laughs> Where is he now? Where is he now? Full report on my desk. <laughs> I'm going to get all Peter Burns on you, Next too. Week. Hey, give me that fucking... Where is Michael Jr.? And you better meet me for dinner yeah. tonight. And tell me the three weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, guess what, guys? We got a new patron. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, bro? Spencer, you're the man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for contributing to the podcast. Hit us up. I'm going to get you a sticker. Oh, we are so, so thankful to you and everybody that donates to us. Uh, Again, we really appreciate it. We're an independent podcast, and that goes a long way for us, guys. Yeah, thank you. You're awesome. You're awesome. We really appreciate it. You guys really like our little podcast. Happy birthday, Melrose Place. And here's a reminder, too. If you haven't written a review on Apple Podcasts, if Do you it. wouldn't mind just going there and putting in five stars. Just be like five stars. Good, good podcast. Good. Like good. it. Yeah. That'll be that'll be great. We'll take it, guys. Uh we're always on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Melrose Pod. And join our Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. As always, just click it and then request to get in, and I'll get you in there, man. And you can email us, melrosepod at gmail.com. We love smut. And we love you.